but you are a assassin and a soldier. You are neither. You are an errand boy. Sent by grocery clerks to collect the bill. I'm not through with my examination. Sit down. If I seem to be offensive, you may take it. I am offended. You offended. This is Speaking Out America. Join us online at speakingoutamerica.com. You paid the money. You paid four bucks. I'm peeking. It's my time now. I do a four fifty show, and I said, "Baby, so you may make a little bread off this tonight." Our hearts and minds and prayers go out to the people of Maui. It's been a horrific, hellacious uh, weekend for those people, and we've seen all the imagery. And it's just, we'll get to it. We want to talk about, a little bit about it. Uh, also, over the weekend, uh, this song kind of shot to the top of the charts, and we want to talk about this. And it's a song by. Have you heard this? Working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, oh. so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wait. It's up. a guy by the name of Oliver Anthony. Richmond, north of Richmond, and uh, it sparked a lot of controversy. I'm not sure why, but it had something to do with the fact that the man, who, the man who sung it, uh, was you know complaining about rich white people. <laughs> you would have thought that half the everybody'd be able to get behind that. Anyway, so there we are, and uh, apparently Rolling Stones criticized it. And so all the conservative pundits criticized Rolling Stone for saying, you know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just accept that it's a, you know, did we get rid of it? Good. Okay. Uh, anyway, also the tragedy uh, of Maui and uh, Lahaina and all the people there. So here's where we're at. It's up to a, a little bit more than 100 people they know died in the fires. The fires decimated the historical downtown area which at one point used to be the capital back in the 1820s when the Hawaiian Islands were not under the jurisdiction of the United States. Uh, We know that they're calling it the worst disaster of fire uh, in the United States history in decades. But, you know, what does that mean? Um, It's interesting that the press, a lot of the press were not allowed in. There were some there were some concerns expressed that the United States sort of swooped in the government uh, and and just started turned it into a war zone, and they wouldn't let anybody in or out, which is kind of weird, I guess for safety reasons. And uh, there is now speculation that the fires were caused in large part by power lines that were active, that were blown down. From the high winds, from uh, and this is the dry season, the dry hot season <clears throat> in Maui. Yes, there was a hurricane about 200 miles south. Originally, it was believed that was the cause, but it turns out that the winds, which are relentless, and the power poles just came down and creating sparks everywhere, and this may have led to not only the number of fires, but the speed because you have the winds and then you have the power lines. There were some questions about whether the power line should have been severed by power officials. <clears throat> there were also concerns that they were kept on because of the resorts, because the resorts said we need our power. 
There's also concerns that none of the sirens that are around the cities, these are tsunami sirens that have been in place for a long time. They didn't, they didn't get activated. I have a friend over there, John Detz, who runs a, a radio station, KOAI, and I have not heard from him. I emailed him Saturday. I hope he's all right. But, you know, there's a lot more questions than answers. But now the big controversy and some of this, I mean, you pick up stuff all, all over the place on the Internet. And you have to just sort of weigh it and what makes sense. But now a lot of the people, see, this is how it works. In these places, you have a lot of people that are third, fourth generation indigenous. And they own this land that they live on, little parcels. Now, this, these little parcels, which make up kind of this area known as Front Street, sort of the downtown area, is where all the locals live. But it's not the high-end area of Maui. I mean, they're just single-family homes that have been there forever. You know, they look like most single-family homes in most communities are, are across the United States. Not, nothing special. And so now there's been people who are saying, okay, well, this is going to be the opportunity for corporate America to come in and buy up all this property from these poor people who probably don't have insurance on anything other than the ground. So they lost everything. None of it covered. They were probably grandfathered in. When you're living on a fixed income in Hawaii and you're a native Hawaiian, you know, you don't have, uh, unless you're renting your house out or something, you're not making any money, right? The, the money is in the value. You see this in a lot of places where people, they hold on to their property that might be worth a lot of money, but they can't afford to buy another home if they sell their house. Because every other property is. Anyway, but so now there's, you know, there's concern that people are going to come in, swoop in, buy this property, take these people, offer them, you know, a wad of cash to go away. And then in a couple years, all of that area will be replaced by high-end homes owned by people like Oprah and uh, the condominium, you know, companies or or, uh, hotel chains, you know, Hilton and so forth. Sheraton. Anyway, so that's where we're at, and they're continuing to find people. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and, and, you know, and of course, a lot of people are trying to attach climate change to it, but now we're f- finding that, uh, you know, the climate is, you know, it is what it is, man, you know. But you've got power lines that were blown over that probably could have been shut off. It looks to me like everything happened so quickly that nobody had any time to react. But the amount of goodwill that is coming that way, people are sending in. I mean, Honolulu is a 20-minute airplane ride. So everybody in Honolulu and the big island, they're all helping. You know, I mean, that's what they do. When you're out on an island, man, people really, they really help each other out. So our prayers continue to go out with the people in Maui. And I know that Mike Horn, who is the, CEO of this fine network, CRNTalk.com, has business relations from people over there. He goes over there frequently. So again, you know, we just hope for the best and uh, hopefully they, I I think, you know, because of the value of Maui, things will get rebuilt very quickly. There's not going to be a hesitancy like there was, you know, in some of these places like Joplin, you know, or the Appalachia, you know, or even where I live in Fort Myers, there's still areas that have not even, they haven't even gotten to fix them yet. 
You know, there are still poles that are bent over and highway signs that haven't been corrected. You know, it's been over a year almost, you know. Another story I want to get to, if I can get to it here. Uh, And also, thank you. Yes, I'm doing better now. After dealing with COVID for a week and a half, oof, uh, that's no fun. Uh, Mental health, big problem right now. Uh, Two studies came out this weekend. One says that we've never had more suicides in America, the United States, than last year. It's an incredibly high number. And then also um, fentanyl deaths. Number of ODs in the country it continues to skyrocket. So there's a, lot of pro- there's a lot of concern right now about mental health. And a new study by Common Sense says that 60% of girls between the ages of 11 and 15 say that at least once a day they will see what they consider to be unhealthful content on social media and that they are <clears throat> exposed to negative content uh, such as suicide, self-harm, and especially eating disorders. And this is where we're at with social media. Again, remember I've said sometimes we can handle some amount of freedom, but too much freedom sometimes is not good, especially if, in this case, social media is driven by algorithms, clicks, clickbait, and advertising. Advertising is what, what fuels this fire. Uh, I'm not into any kind of government control censorship at all. You know, hear me now and hear me roar. I'm not about censorship of the government telling us what we can see or what we can know. Uh, you know, they used to have dirty magazines all over L.A. where I grew up. You know, they had little newsstands. You had the L.A. Times. You had the Herald. And then some wonky little aluminum you know, it looked like an old paper rack from the 50s that was locked. You had to put money into it in order to get the adult magazine that was in it. I think they were called the Hollywood Star. The only reason I remember this is because they were everywhere. But you know what? Uh, if you were raised in a decent family and you were told that, you know, you to treat women with respect, uh, there might be a natural curiosity, but by and large... You know, most people acted with self-restraint, you know, that's it. And then if these little adult newspaper magazine thingies didn't make any money, they went away. And that's generally what happened, you know. Uh, But now it's so rampant. And we talk about this with Michael Lee Mason. You know, these, the, the industry behind it is such a main, main problem. And if we don't deal with that as people, We're never going to solve the mental health problem on the Internet either. So we have to, these are hard discussions that we have to have, and we have to have them with the right people. And I promise you, mental health is going to be front and center on this program moving forward. You're listening to Speaking Out America. My name is Jim Watkins, and we will continue.
Hey, welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm very honored to have on Kevin Stockland. Now, Kevin writes for my favorite newspaper, which is the Epic Times. And something's going on now with ESG, if you're not familiar with ESG. Well, we'll bring in Kevin. He can explain it. Kevin Stockland joining us. What is ESG? Uh, well, ESG, it's, a, it's an ideology and it's an industry. As an ideology, it uh, includes, it's an umbrella term that includes uh, all the environmental issues on climate change. As a social movement, it includes uh, racial and gender equity. Um, but it's also an industry. It has tens of trillions of dollars uh, supporting this movement, which is tens of trillions of dollars of our money that's being funneled through asset managers that have decided that they're going to support this agenda. Now, BlackRock is probably the most famous because they are, number one, a huge corporation, uh, one of the biggest, and then also they're very, well, the term woke. In other words, they want to appear that they are sensitive to the needs of ESG. But recently they have now, and some other companies are now starting to step back. So what's going on? Well, BlackRock certainly has. BlackRock has been kind of a lightning rod on this because they were one of the strongest advocates of the ESG movement and what they call sustainable investing. They're also the largest asset manager in the world. They've got between 8 and $10 trillion of assets under management. Um, they recently came out and said uh, the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, uh, we're not going to use the term ESG anymore. He prefers uh, conscientious capitalism. Um, so a little bit of backpedaling there, whether that's a rebranding or an actual change of heart, I guess we'll have to see. But we recently saw this year that uh, a lot of companies that have joined these climate clubs, um, these net zero alliances, are starting to drop out. And why are they dropping out? Well, very interestingly, so one of these climate clubs, there's the Net Zero Bankers Alliance for Banks. There's the Net Zero Asset Managers Alliance for Asset Managers, and there's the Net Zero Insurance Alliance for insurance companies. The Insurance Alliance has had about half of their membership dropped this year so far. And um, one of the reasons is that they are concerned about antitrust actions. Um, under U.S. antitrust law, it is illegal for companies to get together and collude against other companies or against other industries. And it seems if you join a climate club where you sign pledges that you're going to take out the fossil fuel industry, this does look like antitrust activity. And so we are starting to see uh, there was a letter from 23 state attorney generals and um, more recently the House Oversight Committee and the House of Representatives issued a letter uh, saying, hey, what are you guys up to? Please tell us. And as a result of this, uh, we've seen half of the members just drop. That is a very interesting perspective. I didn't really think about that, but you're right. And and I know a lot of asset managers, uh, Wall Street hedge fund managers, they have been moving their money away from fossil fuel industries, partly because of, of what we're talking about here, wanting to have conscious in their capitalism. But also it has to do with the fact that they truly believe that fossil fuels is what's causing global warming, and they want to they want to make their point, but they're getting pushed and nudged and incentivized by the federal government, are they not? I mean, for example, Ford went and took the initiative of putting out hundreds of thousands of electric vehicle trucks, uh, and they got huge. What do they get from the government? They get like tax incentives or something. Do you know? 
Well, so the incentives are coming in two ways, you know, as far as the, the auto companies. First, uh, they are getting uh, tens of billions of dollars in subsidies to go out and build these EV assembly plants. Um, then there's also the uh, subsidies that are going to uh, purchasers if they want to go out and buy an EV and it qualifies, you can get up to $7,000 to do that. But uh, the other side of it is that they are getting hammered. The automakers getting hammered by the EPA. The new EPA regulations on emissions are going to be set so tight that the only way that automakers can comply is that two-thirds of their fleet will be EVs as opposed to internal combustion engines. So, uh, you know, a company like Ford, uh, which, by the way, appears to be losing more than $4 billion on their line of EVs this year because they're backing up on the dealer lots and people don't seem to want them. Yeah. Um, they are jumping all in on building new EV assembly plants for these reasons. They have to comply with the new EPA regs. And then there's huge payoffs from the government if they play ball. You know what I find interesting about all this, and I think about John Kerry and and what our president's saying and how he's going to fight climate change. So in his mind or in the mind of the people who surround him uh, who push for these green energy policies, what they don't understand is in pushing these green energy policies before they become sustainable and effective, you're actually creating more poverty. And Biden's solution to lowering poverty or improving people's lives his solution is lowering the Earth's temperature, which is something that we're not even sure we can do. So if I said to him, Mr. Biden, what is your policy for improving the quality of life for people in the United States? His answer is going to be, well, we got to lower the Earth's temperature. That sounds like a crazy man. And yet you've got institutions in the UN and the EU and the IMF and all these. I just learned today that the total output of Germany is on the same equivalence if it was part of the United States, as Oklahoma. I wish, and the reason is because they're losing money on their environmental policies. They're forcing people to go to sustainable, what they call sustainable energy, but that sustainable energy is overly expensive, and, and it's making people broke. I don't understand. How long do you think that this ESG thing is going to last before people start to realize that it's basically suicide? I think we're starting to feel the effects of that in terms of the inflation, in terms of the cost of energy, the cost of heating our homes. Um, but I think uh, consumers are increasingly seeing things that they want and rely on are going to be taken away from them. So uh, one thing is internal combustion engine cars. You will very likely be forced to buy an EV. In fact, California is uh, yeah. looking to pass laws that you can only buy EVs after a certain date. But you're going to start seeing your uh, your home heating and air conditioning units shifted over to more efficiency. Your your uh, refrigerators and dishwashers and washing machines, uh, you know, becoming much more expensive because they're being forced to use less energy and less water. Um, and so we're, we're increasingly seeing the effects on our daily lives in terms of the loss of our purchasing power, our declining living standards. And the fact is, you know, these EVs are, are very expensive. You know, the average price is somewhere around $60,000. That's not something that your average person can afford. You know, these are niche market products for people who are wealthy, who live near a city, who only commute maybe a half hour a day, and they can charge them in their garage. But for the rest of us, this is just not a viable product, and yet we're being forced 
to buy it because uh, according to this design, that's all that's going to be available to us in the coming years. You know, they're going after little kid neighborhood ice cream trucks now. I did not hear that, but... Uh, yeah, I think that, that's that, going to that be the line. <laughs> that's going to be the tipping point for us Americans. You go, you go after our kids' ice cream trucks, you know. Well, it must be fun for you. This is a good beat. You're never going to run out of good stories. No, it's never it's never ending. And the thing is, uh, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled time and again that the EPA is way over their skis on this. They don't have the authority to pass these kind of sweeping regulations. But every time they get blocked, they come up with something new. So, as you say, there's an endless supply. Well, the tragedy in all of this is that the uh, news guard and these these self-appointed agencies, what they're doing is they're stifling debate. They're not even allowing people to have open debate on uh, open debate in social media, uh, in print, and on television. It's it's what's that expression? It's uh, where it's, an, it's a false science. assumption. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's settled science. It's settled science, science and, and there can be no debate or discussion. Um, it, the sad thing is that ideally what a government ought to do is inform the population properly about the pros and cons of these various energy sources, whether that be mineral-based, you know, wind and solar and EVs or you know, the, the fossil fuels. There's always give and take with energy. There's no such thing as clean energy. But it would be nice to inform the public what the pros and cons are and let them make a decision about what they think is best for them or for us as a country. But that's not what's happening. Instead, we're getting all these directives handed down. We can't discuss it. We can't debate it. Uh, any dissenting views are censored. And our job is to follow the directives of the government. Kevin Stockland, writer, film producer, former investment banker, writes for the Epic Times. Check him out online. And Kevin, always have uh, always a pleasure to have you here. Likewise. Thanks. <laughs>